Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. You are familiar, I, I know, with many parts of the Bible that you could probably quote, but there's one that I think I know that most of you would have heard before and be able to sort of finish. Um, it's found in the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm 55. But before I read it to you, I want to give you the background because if you read the psalm from the beginning, you'll get an idea of exactly what's going on here. Because at the beginning of this psalm, David says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. He's, he's quite desperate, as you can see. He says, please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. My heart pounds in my chest. A terror of death assaults me. He's pretty in a pretty bad way, isn't he? And he says this in verse 6. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and be at rest. Have you ever felt like that? I wish I could just get out of here. Oh, I just want to get out. I want to leave. I want to get out of here. Uh, and that's the sort of situation he's in. It's a very difficult situation. Every, everybody seems to be at him. Even his friends have let him down. People he trusted has let him down, and, and they're all after him. And he's in the middle of all of that. And then suddenly, when he's praying for God's help and God, please answer me, there's a moment that we come to. When it's like the clouds all part and he gets this clarity. And that, in part, is in verse 22. When he says this, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. That's his turning point. That's the point at which he says, hey, hang on, hang on. That's an answer for me. Now, when we look at that, we tend to connect that somehow with another scripture that we're familiar with in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And no doubt Peter is thinking about this passage of scripture when he writes that. But they are similar, but quite different. In fact, we could say, if you don't do what David has done, you won't be able to do what Peter suggests you do. Because when David is talking about this thing that he calls a burden... He's not talking about the same sort of cares and worries and anxieties that Peter's talking about. It's something bigger than that. He's looking at, a, at this whole big picture of all his enemies surrounding him, everything seeming to go wrong, being persecuted, shouting at him, wanting to kill him, all sorts of opposition. He's looking at all of that as one whole thing, as life. This is my life. This is the way it is. This is my destiny. All this stuff going on all around about me. This is the quality of my life. This is what I was born for. Is this my karma? Is this my destiny? Is this the plan of God for me? Because I don't like it. It's terrible. And so what he's suggesting we do here is take a look at that big picture of life. The, a wide view of everything. Have a look at the quality of it all. What's going on? And he says that, the big picture, 
of all the stuff that's happening in your life, of your karma and your destiny, he said, that, that's the burden. That's the burden you carry. You carry this burden about, well, you know, this is the way things are. And we say things like, you know, well, it is where it is. You just have to suck it up, don't you? I mean, it's just, that's life, yeah? And we can get more spiritual. We can even say, that's the will of God. We can even say, well, I'm only human. It's in my genes. Uh, it's human nature. It's my personality. Or maybe we can get philosophical like the great philosopher Doris Day and say, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. And all of these things really, he, David says, they are a burden if you do that in life. If you just say to life, well, that's the way it is. That's life. Just suck it up. That's the way it's meant to be. That's the will of God. It's a burden that will crush you and destroy you. So what David says here is, you know what? He was suffering under that burden because of all the stuff that was happening. And his moment of clarity is, you know what? I have to throw all that away. I'm going to throw all I'm going to get rid of it. I'm not putting up with this idea anymore that this is my karma, this is my destiny, and all I've got to do is put up with it. I'm getting rid of this idea. I'm throwing it away. I'm tossing it out. I'm getting rid of it because as far as David was concerned, all those things, that's what life was doing to him. That's what society was doing to him. That's what people were doing to him. That's the circumstance he found himself in because of various other circumstances that led him to that place at that time. And instead of looking at that as being inevitable, instead of looking at that and saying, well, you know, you have to just accept it and, and work through it, he's, he looked at that and he says, no, that's not what God wants for me. God's got something better than all this pain and suffering and trouble and anxiety and all this tension and fighting and all this bitterness and shouting. God's got something better for me. He rejected the idea of a destiny and a karma like that. And instead, he was pointing us towards the idea that God has a better plan than all of that for you. As he says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We have to come to a point in life where you decide what are you going to accept. Are you going to accept the stuff that's happening? Are you going to, you know, just be a real good Buddhist and say, well, that's the way it is, that's your karma. And uh, it's probably because you did something terribly wrong in a previous life. And if you don't sort it out in this life, don't worry, you'll come back and have another shot at it. Many times as it takes till you get it right. But, you know, if anything's going wrong for you right now, that's because you weren't so good in a life previously. Hey, do you? Do you roll over for that sort of thing? Well, I'm a Christian. I, I, I don't believe in reincarnation. No, but, you know, we can have this, this fatalism that this is, well, oh, it's the will of God. It's the will of God. My suffering is the will of God. My troubles are the will of God. My circumstances are the will of God. So don't fight it, because if you're fighting it, you're fighting God. 
That's an Islamic idea. It never was a Christian idea. What David is saying here is, you know, when you're faced with all these things in life, there is an inner tendency. There's something inside us that says, oh, well, you know, just give up and let it happen and just accept it the way it is. And we, we can sometimes feel that that's somehow virtuous of us. That somehow we are spiritual because we accept things the way they are. And we just put up with the junk. David says, throw that idea away. It's destroying you. You throw that away and say, God has a better plan than this for me. God has a better purpose for my life than all this junk that I'm experiencing right now. God has a better path for me to follow than the path I'm on right now with all of this stuff. I throw it all away. And that's what David did. He threw it all away. He didn't submit to it, didn't lie down and let it roll over him and crush him under its weight of burden. He said, I'm fighting this thing. I'm throwing it off. I'm getting rid of it. I'm accepting something better for my life than the circumstances I'm experiencing. So he says, cast it, throw it away, chuck it off you, get rid of it. It's a very strong word, just throw the whole thing away. He did that because, you see, in the Old Testament, he understood that God had a better plan. And there was something else for him, that he didn't have to accept circumstance, that he could seek the purpose of God for for his life and blessing. That though he was in lack, he had a God called Jehovah Jireh. That though he was in sickness, he had a God that says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And though he was lost, he had a God that would lead him and guide him. And though he was desperate, he had a shepherd that would take care of him. So he knew there was something better. And he threw it all off and said, I'm going to embrace something better. I'm going to embrace what God has got for me. When you come to the New Testament and it starts talking about what's happened to you in Christ and Paul says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Uh, The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And when you submit to this old thing, you're going back to your pre-saved old life. That philosophy, that ideology, the thing that has brainwashed you since you were birthed into this world, that you have no control over what's going on around about you, that you are useless, that you are feeble, that you have no power. And even when our politicians said, we lost the election because you didn't understand, you're too dumb. That's from the top. What do you expect? We are to blame for everything. Because we're no good. That's just the way we are. Well, you see, when you come to the New Testament, it says, you are new. Maybe you once were, but now you are not. You are new. That old life is gone. And the old thinking is gone. And the thinking of this world that wants to shape you and mold you into a fatalistic individual who just doesn't, it will accept anything that happens to you because it happens to suit the way that some people want to lead us or suit the way some people want to manipulate us, then you have to throw that away and say, that's the old, I'm new. I don't accept that anymore. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. I have a new life. Amen? You throw away the old that is sometimes based on the family you grew up in or the culture you grew up in or the town that you grew up in or or something that shaped and molded you, the education that you had, God help us. And all those sorts of things that can happen to you can shape your thinking to accept these things. David says, throw it away and believe for God's plan for your life. 
Believe you have a new life. Believe you have a fresh beginning and you have a different destiny. That old destiny, get rid of it. That old karma, chuck it away and embrace the plan that God has got for your life. That's what he's saying here. You see, you say, well, all right, if I throw that away, what's going to happen to me? You, You need something in its place, right? And that's why he says, when you throw your burden away, you cast it all upon the Lord. You just don't throw it away. If you throw it away, it's coming back. It's a boomerang. It's coming back. You've tried. Oh, I'm not going to think about that anymore. What do you do five minutes later? Think about it. I'm not going to do that anymore. What do you do tomorrow? You do it. I give that up. Well, you can give it up, but it's still coming back. It keeps coming back. It comes back because it's tied to who you are. It's tied to you. You can't get rid of it. So what David says, when you throw it away, you throw it onto God. Now here's the problem, see. It's a fundamental problem. What's going to happen now? And David gives you this assurance. When you, you cast your burdens upon the Lord because he will care for you. Because we can think, well, if I do that, well, what's going to happen now? Well, God will care for you. He'll take care of you. He'll look after you. He'll provide for you. He cares for you. He'll nourish you and encourage you. That's the faith we have in our Father. We throw all of this old stuff away, this old thinking, this destiny thinking, this hopeless thinking, this fatalistic thinking. We throw it away and we say, God, I accept your plan for my life and I know you're going to now begin to care for me. You're going to help me. You're going to encourage me. You're going to show me the path to walk. You're going to give me strength in my weakness and you're going to help me in my trouble because we're trusting God, not submitting to circumstance. Yeah? This word to care is found in a number of places in the Bible, but in Genesis 47, it says Joseph nourished his father and his brothers. Nourished. Nourished is the word. Not just provide, nourish. Hmm? Not just care, nourish. There's a big difference. I'll illustrate to you this way. Uh, For those of you who have children, kid comes home, says to dad, I'm hungry. Dad says, help yourself. That's called care. If he didn't care, he'd say, who cares? But he cares. Help yourself. Kid can go in, get the lollies out, eat real ice. But kid comes home and says to mom, I'm hungry. Mom says, I'll get you something. Because she doesn't want a child eating something that is not nourishing. So she does more than care. She wants to nourish. So what she'll provide is something that will be healthy, I hope, nourishing to that child. That will help it grow. And become stronger, not rot its teeth. See what I'm saying? No, you don't. Okay, fair enough. Probably never had a mother then. But that's what my mother used to do. You couldn't just walk home and say, I'm hungry. Mom said, I'll make you something. I'll get you something. You know? That's called nourishment. See? And when you, when you cast all your burden on the Lord, he just doesn't say, well, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll care for you. He says, hang on, I'm going to nourish you. That is, I'm going to provide specifically what you need so that you can be the person that you are destined to be in my plan for your life. There's nourishment there. So the nourishment is a bigger, it's a broader thing than just, well, yeah, I care for you, I love you. It's, it's more than that. 
It's more that I'm going to really get involved with you and do something that will be for your help. That's why David said, the Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me. Amen. He helps me. He helps me. Because David said, when I throw that on God, I get, a, I get a reply. I get a divine response. I get a return. I throw away my fatalistic thinking. I step out in faith and believe, hey, I'm going to run a life where I'm not bound by this thinking. My thinking is not controlled by all this stuff. I'm going to break the chains of this and throw it all away. And then God's going to help me make the next step. And he promises when you do that, that he says that he will never allow your foot to slip, to be moved, to fall over, to trip over. He says, uh, and the idea is it's never, and that's an ever, never ending idea. That is God has an eternal commitment to you that will never come to an end. That if you do take that fatalistic thinking and you don't just submit to it, but if you will break free of that and throw it onto God, and if you will look to Him in faith and believe for that plan of God to be fulfilled in your life, then He will take care of you, and He will never stop taking care of you. He will keep on taking care of you as long as you have faith in Him. That's the promise here. It's an amazing promise. God says, shake it off. See, the thing that's holding so many people back is this idea that, that society, the world, has given to us. That's why Paul says, you know, in, in Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Romans 12, he says, don't let the world, Philip says, squeeze you into its mold. Don't be influenced by the thinking of this world. Because if you do think like this world, they're trying to mold you into something. There's a lot of stuff, they call it normalizing now normalizing. That is, they're trying to normalize something that would not normally be normal. So something that is not normal and something that is not natural is now being normalized. So you'll accept something that is not normal as normal. And that's what the media is doing for you. Every time you switch it on, you will always come across it. The normalizing influence of media. It's deliberate. Never used to be this way. That uh, started with the advertisers. And they taught you how to smoke cigarettes and drink beer. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And now they want to normalize you into other things that you might be eating, other behaviors that you might be having, or other attitudes that you might have, or values that you might have. They want to normalize you. They want to change you. And they want to change you into what is not normal, but what they call normal. Strange, isn't it? They're, not, they're changing your thinking and your attitudes. And if you accept that, that becomes a burden to you. You cannot progress if you are letting that dictate to you your behavior, your attitudes, your values. Everything about you is, is being controlled. And if you do that, you're doomed. And what David says, what the New Testament promises, is throw that thing off and stand up and live independent. And start saying, I think for myself, I'm going to believe in God. I'm not going to do what you think is normalized. I'm going to trust God for my life. I'm going to believe God for a new life and a new future. I'm going to trust Him for help and support. That's what it's doing. It's freeing you from this burden. 
that is being imposed upon you. And then you won't be off course. You'll be on course with the will of God. But if you accept the burden of the thinking of this world and the karma idea of this world, you are not on course with God. You're off course. You're lost. I don't care if you come to church. I don't care if you read the Bible. I don't care how many times you've accepted Jesus into your life. You are lost if you're following this world. Because it is leading you on a pathway that is a lost pathway. We have to do is say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to think like that. That's not going to be my values. That's not going to be my attitude. That's not going to be my behavior. I'm not going to do that. I'm throwing that away. I'm embracing something greater than that, my new life in Christ. It's a sad thing to talk to Christians and hear them to re repeat the values of the world in which they live. But it's happening all the time. It's a sad thing to watch Christians behave and believe their behavior is acceptable because that's what everybody's doing. That's sad because you've got that burden on you and you've never thrown it off. You've never said, I don't care. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Doesn't win friends, though, for preachers. See, when you do that, Solomon said this, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding or the understanding of this world. You seek his will in what you do, and he'll show you which path to take. Here's the idea. Throw this thinking away. This thinking's confusing you. It, it, how do you make a decision because of this, 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 this? Because it's so confusing. So many voices, so many ideas, so many things coming at you from the TV, newspapers, all the rest of it, on the internet. Well, how do you make a decision? What's right? What's wrong? Stop it. Throw it all away. Throw it all away and put your trust in God. You don't need to be confused by the voices. There's only one. Yeah, but they taught me when I was at university, I don't care. They taught me when I was in school, well, the company says, what's that got to do with it? Throw it all away. If that voice does not agree with what the voice of God says, throw it away. Your confusion is quite a product of listening to too many things. When we should listen to only one thing. What is the voice of God? So Solomon, the wise man, says, put all that aside and let God show you. If you seek it and listen, he will guide you in his pathway. Because, see, God has this will for you and he will guide you on it. Now, here's the problem most Christians have. How am I going? Oh, I'm, I'm all right. I've still got time to get home for lunch. Um, Here's a problem we have. See, when it comes to this, I talked to you about the will of God, uh, and immediately sort of say, oh, yeah, I tried that. It doesn't work. Because you did try it. It didn't work, right? You said to God, I, I want to know, what is the will of God for my life? And uh, you're still waiting to hear, right? I know you don't say anything because you, you, know, you agree with me, but you're too embarrassed to say so because you want everybody else to think that you know the will of God for your life. But actually, you don't. You haven't got a clue. You're clueless. 
And there's a good reason why you're clueless. Because God never told you what his will for your life was. Because he never said he would. I know it's what you want. But it's not what he's going to tell you. I could give you probably half a dozen reasons why God won't tell you his will for your life. And one is it frightened you to death and we'd never see you again. But being serious, you see, God doesn't give you the whole plan. And when you were asking for the whole plan, you never got it because you weren't listening. He doesn't give you the whole plan. What God does do, and this you do know without shadow of doubt, you know the will of God. You don't know the plan of God for your life, but you know the will of God for now. Your problem is you don't like it. The problem is you want more. But let me tell you right now, without a shadow of doubt, God speaks into your heart for now. When you've done that, you'll get the next one. But you're not getting the whole plan. You get it one step at a time. And that's what trust is all about, faith. And we're living a faith life, a trust. We throw it all and we say, right, I'm not submitting to all of that stuff. I'm going to follow God now. I'm going to trust him to be my provider. I'm going to trust him to be my help. I'm going to walk each step as God leads me. And as you do that, you see, you have a pathway out of your problems. And that's what David came to that point. It's he started following God, and step by step, God led him out of the trouble. Let me tell you how that happened, because I said to you, this psalm was written in a particular time, and all these things were happening. You remember when Absalom had a rebellion against David. He gathered everybody to, gain, uh, 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 to himself, and he decided, we're going to Jerusalem, we're going to kill the king, and I'm going to become king. So he even took family members, he took best friends of David, he took counselors of David, he took soldiers and leaders of David's army, and he gathered them around himself, and now he's coming to Jerusalem, and that's what David is saying, everybody's turned against me, everybody wants to kill me, they're screaming and shouting for my blood and my life, oh, I want to be a bird and fly away from here, then the revelation comes, kabam, God opens up heaven and speaks into his heart and says, buddy, throw all that junk and that stupid thinking away. You don't have to sit here and say, oh, well, it must be the will of God. Let Absalom come and kill me. I'm just such a miserable, this is terrible destiny, and this is my karma. I must have done something wrong. I must be a bad person, so I'm just going to let it happen to me. He says, throw it away. Throw that stupid thinking on God, and trust him. He'll take care of you. But David gets his few friends left, and his few army buddies together, and he leaves the city. When he's going out of the city, they're throwing stones at him. The great David, the one who will slay thousands and tens of thousands. They throw stones at the guys. He's going out of town. But he doesn't respond negatively. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get bitter. He doesn't have this self-pitying, submitting, fatalistic attitude. No, he just leaves the city because he knows He's now following God's plan one step at a time. He didn't know what was going to happen next. He just knew he has to leave the city. So he left the city. And then he knew what to do next. And then he knew what to do next. And as he follows each step, and he gets counsel and wisdom and revelation, and he steps. And then we find later on that Absalom is killed. And David returns to the city. And he comes back with victory and success and blessing. That can only happen because he refused 
the fatalistic idea that somehow it was all over and he had to submit to these dreadful things. No, he stood up and threw it all off and says, I'm trusting God. I've got a new life. I've got a new plan for my life. I've got a God who cares for me and will always care for me. I'm not submitting to that sort of thinking. I'm not submitting to that attitude. I'm not submitting to these circumstances. I'm not submitting to that stuff. I fight it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You're doing a lot better than the first one did. They were absolutely terrible. I got there and felt like going home. Well, I feel like going home now, but that's got nothing to do with you. Um, so do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see it? It's a really, it's a fundamental idea. It's foundational. It really is life-changing if you'll get a hold of this because it's so easy for these things to creep in because all around us, everywhere, whether you're at work or you're watching TV or whether you're with people in the restaurant or having a coffee or watching something or reading something and you've got your iPad open or whatever it is, this is coming at you all the time. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. And it's this bad because of you. You do realize that you ought to blame for everything don't you? That's what this world wants you to believe. It's your fault. You started up your car. See what you did? Hmm? It's your fault. You switched on a light. It's your fault. Didn't vote for the right people. It's your fault. It's your fault you bought those vegetables. Should have grown them in your own backyard. It's your fault. Oh, my God, you ate some meat. How terrible. There was a thing recently where a woman said that she had her dog on a vegetarian diet. Her dog is a carnivore. We've become extremely stupid. <laughs> extremely stupid. Stupid. I don't mind if you want to be a vegetarian. That's your choice. That's no problem at all. For me, this here, this here, the reason I have this tooth and the reason you have it is because you are meant to rip meat. Okay? Just saying. Just saying. If you want to be a vegetarian, that's fine. But I don't, I don't impose it on me. And tell me I am the fault of everything because I do what is in my nature to do. And I like it. Yeah? Perhaps I'm going off track here. But I'm just giving you an example of how we're always to blame. Everybody's blaming us. All the time. Israel Falam. He's to blame. It's his fault. If he hadn't have done that, uh, if he just submitted and given in, we wouldn't have this problem right now. Then he goes to raise money, and we are told we can't give him any money. Who tells you you can't give him any money? Don't you tell me where I can put my money. Don't you tell me where I can donate my Well, you shouldn't be giving money to him. Who said so? No, I didn't give him any money because he's got enough. But I mean, the point was, if I want to, why can't I? It's my fault. 
this, it's our fault he did that, and it's my fault I've given him money, and it's my fault because, and it's our fault because, we're constantly being blamed. Because that's the easy thing to do, and because we're such suckers, we accept the blame all the time. Yeah, that's me. It's my fault. I don't eat vegetables. It's my fault. I drive a car. The Minister for the Environment flew overseas several times this year to go to environmental conferences to explain why you shouldn't be driving a motor car, but she can be flying all over the world. Because it's your fault. Not her fault. It's your fault. And David says, throw all that stuff away. Throw that thinking away, that attitude away. Throw it away. It's crushing people, destroying you. It's a burden you don't need to carry. Now just look to God and let God lead you and guide you and provide for you and walk the walk of the word. Amen. Walk the walk of faith. Amen. And don't be intimidated by anyone. Live free. Amen. I know it's a weird message, isn't it? It's like, oh, dear me. Gee, I thought I was going to come and be told something really wonderful. Well, you have been, but you don't realize it yet. <laughs> See, we have a freedom in Christ. Amen. We have a freedom in Christ to not allow our mind to be molded by this world, to be reshaped according to God's mind and God's purpose. And we, we have this mind in us which was in Christ Jesus, not this mind of us which is on the television. And we throw all that away and we embrace another mind, another thinking, another life, another destiny, another purpose, more another set of values, another set of behaviors. We are not who we are because it's human nature. We are going to become who we are because it's divine nature in us. Amen. That's what we want. We don't want to be same, same. We want to be different. We want to reflect God in our life and our world and get rid of that burden that's seeking to be imposed upon us all the time. We want freedom from it. Amen? Freedom from it. And when you know that, then you'll see God begin to nourish you. And you'll see God begin to lead you. And you'll be led out of problems into blessing. You'll be led out of trouble into freedom. And you'll be nourished and strengthened and blessed. Because your focus is not on what the world is saying to you. Your focus is on what God is saying to you. You're not burdened with those stupid ideas. You've been freed to new thinking and new life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Probably lost a few friends. I, I encourage you to keep this too. Don't go to a dentist and say, get rid of it. You know, so just hold on to it. You might find it useful one day. And I'd like to pray for you right now. Can we pray together? Just bow your head with me right now. Father, I just thank you that we have freedom in Christ. For who the Son sets free is free indeed, indeed. We have a new life, Lord. And we're not tied to the old life. And we throw away the thinking of the old life. We throw away the, the pressure of this world to reduce, to become a burden to us and just reduce us to people who are submissive and fatalistic. Father, we throw all that away. We cast it upon you. Take it away from us, Lord, because we're going to live a life of freedom, of faith. We trust you, Lord. We're believing for good things in our life. We're not submitting to destiny like that. We're believing for better things, not karma. We don't believe in luck, Father. We believe in your provision and your blessing, Father. And we're accepting that right now and asking you to lead us in that pathway, that pathway of your plan and your blessing to better and greater things, I pray in Jesus' name.
And all the people of God said, amen. And all those who didn't say amen said, that's it. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.